It was 15 minutes before the start of a regional marathon championship. Competition was stiff. Weather conditions, downright oppressive. And I was nervous, so nervous, in fact, that I wondered what I was even doing there. I felt sick to my stomach and even had thoughts of dropping out before the race began. Now, if you're like most competitors, you've experienced some level of competition anxiety. Some of us deal with it better than others. And that's the topic for today's episode, how to deal with competition anxiety. Life is full of performances, and I want you to perform at your best. So come along with me in this episode to make sure you have the fair advantage. All right, welcome to this second episode of the Fair Advantage podcast. Thank you for joining me today. We're going to talk about how to deal with competition anxiety, some of the different things that surround it, that go into it, contribute to it, and then some specific tools we can use to overcome it. I have to start, of course, though, with a bit of an educational piece. I am an educator. That's what I do. I teach. And so if you aren't familiar with sports psychology more generally, I'm going to give you a little bit of an orientation here. Okay, When we talk about sports psychology, we're talking about this, this continuum here of how our thinking and our behavior, our psychological processes influence our sport, our physical activity, our performance in competition. And then conversely, how does our participation in sport and physical activity, our performance, how do those experiences influence our thinking? Okay, so there's kind of this two-way street here, and we can apply this even more specifically to competition anxiety, right? We haven't competed in a while. There's been certain things that have interfered with our ability to compete. And so our thinking, how are we thinking? Are we building it up in our minds as we approach our, our performance when we haven't competed in a while? And, and if we are, that may affect our performance. Or if we're viewing it as something familiar, we've done it before, we're more comfortable, that may affect our performance in maybe a more positive way. And then depending on how those thoughts, it can, really can be a cycle, right? How those thoughts influence our performance and then our performance, well, depending on how it goes, can then go and, and influence our thoughts again and contribute to either more anxiety, less anxiety. Oh, it wasn't that bad. I, that bad. I feel a whole lot better. Oh, man, that was awful. I don't want to do that again. So we have this continuum here or this cycle that we can describe when we're talking about pretty much any particular concept in sports psychology. And in this instance, we're talking about competition anxiety. Now, I know many of you are going to be able to relate to this, but oftentimes we don't truly realize the source of our anxiety. We know that we're anxious, but we can't quite pinpoint why. That can be a challenge, which then can contribute to more feelings of anxiety. So step one from a sports psychology perspective is always going to be self-awareness. We have to be able to identify the source of our anxiety if we're going to overcome that obstacle. Okay, so self-awareness is always going to be step number one. And, and once we 
practice this because we're going to do a little bit of an exercise in self-awareness right here. Hopefully, then we can move on to the next step of actually dealing with it. So we've got to be able to identify it first. Okay? So I, I want you to think about what stresses you out, right? And that might be a big list. You're college student athletes. You're juggling a lot of things. You got to go to weights sometimes early in the morning. Sometimes it's in the evening after practice. Sometimes it's in the middle of the day. You have practice, which takes a big chunk of time. You have to go to class. You got to do homework. You got to travel to compete. You have your friendships that you have to maintain those relationships. You have family relationships. You may have romantic relationships with a significant other. Then you have your hobbies and, and whatever else that is that you might be doing. You have a lot of things to juggle that are competing for your time and can contribute to stress. Okay, And I, I want to further classify this a little bit. So when we're talking about stress or even shifting more to the anxiety term, it can be either cognitive, so the way that we're thinking, our attitude, our mindset, our beliefs about particular a particular situation, or it can be somatic, right, which is the feeling that we get, that nervousness, that butterflies, the nausea, right, the rapid heart rate, sweaty palms, all of that. So one way that you can try and uh, think about this in relation to competition specifically, right? Okay, so think back on a past competition, or it could be even an upcoming upcoming competition. As it gets closer, right, our cognitive anxiety, we start to think about it more. So if we have a competition on Saturday, Monday rolls around. It's like, oh, man, it's we got a game this week. We got a competition this week. Your mind starts thinking about it, okay? And then as it gets closer to that competition, you have a competition on Saturday. Saturday morning rolls around. You wake up in the morning. Oh, you're starting to still feel more nervous. You're feeling more of a somatic response, a physical response. Okay, you've been thinking about it. Cognitive anxiety may have been high the whole week, but now as it gets closer, now your body's starting to have a response. Okay, and it's important to understand those two things. How am I experiencing? Where is it? Is it just up here, or is it physical? A physical response. Okay, that's important in in raising that awareness to identify it to then know how to deal with it, which we will get into a little later. Okay, and then there's one more piece here. So is it in, as it appears, the way I'm thinking? Is it in my body, how I'm experiencing? And then what is our perception of control? Do we feel like we have any control over it or is our body just running away with it, right? And any of you who have experienced a panic attack or you know somebody who has experienced a panic attack can describe this where it's just we feel out of control and, and we really want to gain back control, okay? And that's an important part of awareness is, well, how, how, how much do I feel in control? Now I can identify whether it's in my body or it's in my mind, but do I feel like I can control it? Do I have the resources to, to deal with those demands? Okay. So stress, of course, it can be a good thing in the right doses, but when we have chronic stress, it can lead to those feelings of anxiety, and that's when it becomes a mental health issue, right, where it starts to upend and interfere with other parts of our lives because it's normal to experience some anxiety and some stress, but when it starts to interfere in our relationships, in our schoolwork, in other things, then then that's when it can be problematic and, and we should try and go through this process. And you can, you can see a counselor, you can see a sports psychologist, you can talk to your coach. You want to talk to somebody to, to go through this first step of awareness. Where is it? Um, where is it coming from? Is it in my body, my mind? Do I feel like I have control? Okay, so we're going to do a little exercise right here. 
So I want you to think back first on your worst performance ever. Now, I know that's crazy that I'm asking you to do that because why would anybody want to think about that? So I tried to block that out of my mind, Dr. Fair. Don't bring that up again. Well, I want you to think about it just for a moment, okay? Your worst performance and the feelings that you had going into that competition, the feelings that you had during, feelings that you had after, right? Maybe those are, could be some unresolved feelings, but I want you to think about that just shortly, okay? Now, shift gears. Go to your best competition ever, best performance that you've ever had. Go back and think about what you felt before in that competition, what you felt during, what you felt after, and try and compare those things. Because this is a big sports psychology concept right here is that oftentimes the, the main difference between our worst performance and our best performance is what's going on right here between the ears. Okay, that's usually a big difference. And you probably had different feelings going into those different events in terms of anxiety, how much control we felt over that, and uh, among other things. So this is step one, a good little exercise. And we'll move forward into some other things to, to, as well to help you uh, understand and deal with competition anxiety. So let's try and get a little bit more specific. We talked about raising self-awareness more generally. Now let's get into the specifics and actually try and pinpoint some of the things that may cause us some anxiety. So first of all, there's certain situations that cause stress, cause us to feel anxious, okay, where we're not really sure if we're going to be able to, to meet the demands. And the first one that I want to talk about are important events, okay? So an important event, it could be a championship event, it could be an event where there's scouts there, professional scouts. We could you go back to the high school. It could be a collegiate coach is there watching. Our parents could be there. It could be a postseason, of course, competition. So my dad, he was a college-level tennis player. And when he was in high school, he was playing a summer tennis tournament. And, and it, was, it was this big match. He made it to the to, to the to the semifinals or the finals, one of those last two rounds. He was playing this this really good player, and um, he, his his dad told him he wasn't going to go because he didn't want to make him nervous, right? Sometimes our parents are there or certain people are there watching us. It can make us anxious, nervous, and then we don't perform as well. So his dad, my grandpa, told my dad that he wasn't going to go to the competition. So my dad goes, and he plays the match, and, and uh, he gets done, packs up, and he goes home, and 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 he walks in the house, and my grandpa gives him a synopsis, like, oh, well, yeah, that one point you did pretty good on getting that ball to do his backhand over there. And my dad looks at looks at his dad, and, and, and he's like, well, what are you talking about? How do you know? My grandpa went to the match. He said he wasn't going to go, but he went to the match, and he hid behind a tree. He stood behind a tree, and he watched my dad play that tennis match because he knew it was an important event. He didn't want to add to it, right? My dad was already building it up in his mind. He didn't want to add to the anxiety, have this other level there, okay? So we, we can uh, change the way that we view these events, okay? So it's okay to attach some importance to events, and there's different things we can do. Oh, I just don't want you to come and watch me. You'll make me nervous and all of this and that, okay? Or we can have a whole a major perspective shift. Okay, so this is something I want you to think about. This is something I share with athletes that I work with in one-on-one -on -one consulting is what is your goal for every practice 
for every competition, every time that you show up to do your sport, what is your goal? Because my guess is that your goal is to do the best job that you can do on that day. You want to perform as good as you possibly can, right? You want to, whether that's practice or it's a competition that's a preseason, regular season, or postseason. You want to do the best that you possibly can do on that day. Yeah, you probably want to win too, right? And, and, and here's the problem. If we put too much emphasis on winning on an outcome, we attach importance to a particular event over another event, then it can contribute to anxiety. But if we start to step back and we say, well, what's my goal? My goal today is no different than what it was yesterday. I want to bring it. I'm going to bring the best that I've got today. And tomorrow I'm going to do the same thing. So why would I get anxious? Why would I build up certain events or days over any other day when my goal is the same? Okay, it's just an idea. It doesn't mean that we actually in practicality can treat everything exactly the same, right? Well, it's a preseason competition. It's an inter-squad competition versus it's, it's the Big Sky Conference championship, right? Well, yeah, you're saying that they're the same, but they are different, right? They are different. But if we can get ourselves in our mind to treat them the same, then that can help us uh, deal with some of the anxiety, okay? So the next thing or situation is uncertainty. So we innately, all of us have this fear of failure. Some of you have heard that before. We don't want to fail. Why? Because we don't want to feel vulnerable or feel shame. Like we won't be accepted by our coach or a teammate or our parents if we fail. And so we're worried about failure. There's that uncertainty and, and, and it creates anxiety. Okay. Now the beautiful thing here is that that's what sport is all about is the uncertainty. It's what makes it interesting. That's why we love March Madness, because you don't know what's going to happen in, in those basketball games, in those tournaments. Okay, we don't know. And you can, you can think about this in a simple sense, too. Think about some competitions that you've gone into where you were the heavy favorite. Like, you kind of knew the outcome. You were going to win. You probably didn't feel that nervous. You weren't that anxious. Or you went into a competition where you knew you were going to get shellacked. Right? Maybe you weren't as nervous because it was, there was no expectation on you at all. But when there's uncertainty, when we don't know exactly what's going to happen, maybe we're pretty evenly matched and it's a good competition, we tend to feel more anxious. Okay? So I'll leave this bullet point with this thought is you have to be willing to lose if you want to win. You have to be willing to lose if you want to win. You have to take that risk. Okay? So the next thing that can cause anxiety is our opponents. This can be hard because we don't have any control over them. So I once worked with this golfer who had a really hard time playing, getting paired up with another golfer who would shave strokes, right? And would really get on her nerves because she's, she's, she's counting her strokes, but she's also counting her opponent's strokes who she's walking with. And can tell that the person shaving instructions, you get really riled up, get really angry. Her anxiety levels would go up and then her performance level would go down. She wouldn't perform as well after that because her opponent, she was giving her opponent some control over her performance. So that's another thing that can cause anxiety. So it's figuring out how, if that's the case for, for me, I need to recognize that because we're raising self-awareness. The weather, this is connected with the uncertainty idea. Okay, so... I once was at a college track meet, Big Sky Conference track meet, 
that was in Bozeman, Montana. Bozeman, Montana in the springtime is just an extension of winter. So being a track, an outdoor track athlete in Bozeman is, is tough. It takes some mental toughness. So I was at a meet there, and I watched both ends of the spectrum here. So I watched a distance runner who ran the, the worst, a season worst performance. Okay, The weather, the wind was blowing. There was kind of some snow flurries. It was cold. It was just brutal conditions to try and compete. And I watched the weather get the best of that person. To anxiety, just could, couldn't deal with it, wasn't going to try to deal with it. And I also watched a pole vaulter, which pole vaulting, by the way, competing in the cold and the wind is extremely difficult. And this pole vaulter set a school record on that day in the cold, wintry day in Bozeman, Montana. That person effectively dealt with that. But the weather can cause, because there's uncertainty, we don't know exactly what it's going to be like, that can contribute to anxiety, okay? But there's some successful stories and some less successful stories with that. And then lastly, relationships can cause anxiety, right? I mean, at the core of almost every issue that presents itself when I meet with a student athlete is some important relationship in their life. Oftentimes it's a coach. It can be a teammate and be friends and be a romantic partner. It can be their parents for sure. And that can carry over into our performance. Okay. So stepping back from all this, I know I threw a lot of stuff at you right here. Look at the bulleted list here. We're raising self-awareness. What are the things that cause anxiety? Some specific things. We have to be able to pinpoint it if we then want to be able to manage it and deal with it. So let's shift now to another angle. So we talked about some situations that cause stress or anxiety. Now let's look at some personality characteristics. Okay, We all have our own uniqueness. That's what our personality is. It's what makes you, you. And, and some of us have some things that we could become more aware of that may be contributing to anxiety. The first one is trait anxiety. Okay, So we, we all worry. Every one of us worry, but some of us worry more than others. And and understanding that about ourselves, right, and figuring out if there's ways that we can mitigate that is important. So we can look at the situation itself as a source of anxiety, but then we also need to look inside and see if there's some personality things that may be contributing, okay? Because if we want to target this and figure it out, this, these are the things that we need to look at. The next thing is self-esteem. So our self-esteem is essentially it's our sociometer, Okay? It's how we think others view us. If others like us, then we like us. And, and this can contribute to stress and anxiety. It also can lead into a, a vicious cycle if we have negative self-esteem. Okay, So figuring out what are we basing our self-esteem on, the, the exception of others uh, on, on different relationships, how important are they to us, our coaches, our teammates. So self-esteem can be a contributor here of some anxiety. And then kind of related to that is social physique anxiety, which is something that some of you listening to this and watching this may may have experienced before or do experience. When we go out to competition, we, we may have some body issue image concerns of ourselves, of social physique, sport. There, there are some sports that there's maybe more of an emphasis on physique than other sports, but it can lead to feeling intimidated. I once worked with an athlete who, who went to a track meet and she was she was telling me about this after the track meet. She was on the starting line next to this other gal 
and and she just felt really intimidated. She she felt really intimidated. She wasn't quite sure why she felt intimidated. And so after some digging, I, I I helped her realize that it was she was intimidated because this other gal was super fit, had a six pack abs, and just was lean and and muscular and and um, appeared to be fast, right? Fast on the track. And so she let herself be intimidated just from a, it was a social physique perspective. It didn't have to do anything with whether that girl was actually fast on the track. It was just a, um, an internal struggle that was connected with, with her own physique. Okay. So stepping back again, we have situations, we have personality things that can help us pinpoint what is it that's creating the anxiety. Once we identify it, then we can manage it. All right, so here's the good stuff. How do you deal with the anxiety once you've got it, once you've experienced it, once you've pinpointed it, pinpointed it how do we then go and, and deal with it, okay? The first step is you must manage it, okay? You must manage it. And, and how do we do that, right? There's several different strategies. And when we're choosing a strategy, the first step is to, to recognize that it has to be specific, Okay, it has to be specific to you as an individual. And one of the exercises that I like the best when I deal with some anxiety is, is I try and elicit a smile. I make myself smile. You can, you can turn on different neural pathways in your brain when you do that. When you activate those muscles in your face, you smile, and it helps everything else sort of relax, and it takes the edge off some of that anxiety. I also once worked with a, a coach who competed at the world championships in the 800 meter track event just an amazing athlete said all of these these uh, collegiate records was a multi multi uh, all-american award winner and I, I she once shared a story with me on how she was at the starting line of the world championships I mean as big as it gets next to the Olympics right just just below the Olympics and she's standing on the starting line she's really nervous and got all this anxiety and, and she was trying to think of something that would help take the edge off. And you know what she thought of? She thought of her husband, this time when her husband was wearing some real tight jeans, right? And he went to bend over and he blew out the back of his jeans. That's what she thought about on the starting line of the world championships. And it made her smile. It made her laugh. It was this fond memory and that was enough to take the edge off before the race started. So that's a very specific example to that individual that that helped her uh deal with some of that anxiety okay so it also has to be it's got to be specific to you it also has to be specific to the type of anxiety so if we're looking at a cognitive in our mind with our thoughts or is it somatic is it that physical response or remember the cognitive may be in the build-up the several days building up to a big competition the somatic will be in the hours before the competition okay and there's some overlap there too so cognitive that could be self-talk Okay, what I'm saying inside my own mind. We tend to be really hard on ourselves as athletes. We're hard on ourselves. So what am I saying here? But also, what are you saying to others? So one of the number one indicators that I try to use when I work with athletes is, is I'll ask them. I'll say, so, you know, how, how is that competition? Or how how you feeling going into this competition? And how they describe it. How we describe it as athletes. The first words out of our mouths are telling of what's going on up here. And if we're saying, oh, I'm nervous, oh, I'm this and that, then it reinforces that. 
All right. So it's figuring out how to to have positive things in here and positive things as we express them to others. Okay. So we also can look at these somatic pieces and the, the number one thing here, which you already are all aware of this breathing. We want to deal with anxiety. Breathing does it. Breathing is really good. Taking a deep breath all the way in, holding it at the top and then letting it out slow. That's got to be the pattern when you're practicing this breathing. So if you're on at the beat, the warmups for a big competition, big game, uh, take some deep breaths in, hold it, and then exhale slow and do that several times. That can help get your heart rate down, your breathing rate down, all of those things to bring you down off of the edge. Okay. And then one more thing that I'll share too. This is something that you can use if you go into, they'll say a performance situation is a job interview. You can do posing or priming where you stand in, in big, tall, asymmetrical positions where you're powerful. You can stick your hands up in the air like that, and that can help you feel more confident. It's body language. Your body is connected to your mind, so you can do physical things like that that can help connect and, and take the edge off. Okay. You also can do progressive muscle relaxation. Some of you may have heard that before. You just squeeze your muscles to get rid of this, get some buildup, some tension, and then you let it go. And that can take some of that anxiety off. So I know I'm throwing a lot of stuff at you here and, and, and hopefully you find it helpful. This is the most important thing for this slide. Whatever you do, the anxiety that you are experiencing, if you want to effectively deal with it, you have to interpret it as being a facilitative or helpful feeling. Okay, so I like to think of it this way. This is something that I made up. We have to reframe it somehow. So your body is a solar power bank, okay? And you have the sun that is sending you anxious energy. It's sending it to you. And you can decide what you're going to do with it. Are you going to store it in those solar banks and let it build up, let that anxiety build up? Or are you going to send it down the pathway? It's energy. That's what anxiety is. It's energy. And you can choose how to use it, it's figuring out how to direct it. Okay, sometimes it might just be directing some of it to, to burn some of that energy off. If we, for example, if I'm walking up to the putting green and I'm a golfer, I don't want to be all amped up and say, I got to use this thing, sorry, I got to use this energy, right? And then you shoot it 12 feet past the hole, right? It's figuring out how to blow some of it off, breathe it off, tense up, let it go. We have to get rid of some of that anxiety. We can't just sort, store it all in the solar bank. All right, so let's keep moving. Now, I just want to throw a few more strategies at you to help you have more options in your toolbox, more things that you can pull from. The first one, I call it spacing out versus spacing in. So I once was working with a basketball team, college basketball team, and I asked them, I said, so tell me what spacing out is, right? And they try to describe it where you take your mind somewhere, your, your, your body's there, but you're, you're not there. You're somewhere else, spacing out, right? And I said, so what's the opposite of spacing out? And I'll never forget it. One of the athletes, one of the b-ball players, he said, spacing in. And I said, yeah, spacing in. I like that. I'm going to use that. So spacing out versus spacing in. When you think about spacing out, we're – intently focused, intently focused when we're spacing out, right? We, uh, we don't blink for minutes and our mind is gone somewhere. Okay. It's, it's, we're intently focused on something that is not 
present. It's not in the moment. Whereas spacing in is being completely mindful. We're intently focused on something in the moment. Okay, and you can use either of these depending on how uh, effective or skilled you are at this. But but the point is here is that we want to channel that level of focus. Okay, the same focus we have when we space out, we want to try and channel that and focus in and choose the things that we want to focus on. Okay, and ultimately we want to focus on what we can control. So when we have anxiety before a competition, if we don't have some way to get that energy out, we don't have something to do, then it tends to build. It tends to increase. That's why routines are really good. Pre-shot routines uh, b- before we go into the batter's box. Routines in in uh, free throw routines. Right. There's so many different examples that you can choose from the world of sport, any different sport. But that gives us something to focus on. To t- it takes our mind off of that anxiety. Right. It gets us to instead of being spacing out here. We come and we space in. So just choosing what we're going to focus on can be another strategy. And then we have this embrace the suck idea. Some of you may have heard it before. Is you got to lean into that vulnerability. It's what makes sport a beautiful thing is that there's the uncertainty. We have to be willing to feel vulnerable. And the most successful athletes lean into that the hardest, right? They really lean in. They embrace the suck. It's part of the experience. It's part of what helps you feel alive. It's part of what makes sport a beautiful thing. So getting back to how we interpret the anxiety, embrace it. Like that's what it's all about. It makes you feel alive and and it gets you super excited and gets you up and, and can help you perform if we have that mentality. And then lastly, I want you to think about why if, if, if there's one thing that I'll leave with you to try and help you deal with competition anxiety is to connect with your why. What is the reason that you got into this sport in the first place? And, and it may take you back to when you were a kid first performing or some experience that you had when you were younger and and for most of you, it's probably because you love your sport. You genuinely have a love for it. And when you think about how much you love what you do and why you really do it, you peel off all those other pressures of trying to perform for your coach's perspective or your own uh, expectations or your dad's expectations or a teammate's expectations. You, you peel all that stuff off and you say, why am I doing this? Because I, I love it. I love to see what I can do. I love to see what I'm capable of. I love it because I enjoy it. I enjoy the challenge. I I enjoy the satisfaction that I get from putting in all of the hard work. So if there's one thing to help you deal with some of the anxiety in those moments when you have it, reconnect with your why. What's the real reason? Why do you do it? And my guess is probably because you love it. Thank you for listening to the Fair Advantage podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, check out some other episodes on my website, fairadvantage.wixsite.com slash fair.